Ngati Epsom. Paul. Cleaning up the rivers. People really are here because they feel this. And not Kiwi building. It will take more than 400 years for Labour to deliver. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering this week here on One News. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Benedict Collins. And we usually start off with our pits and our peaks, but we thought we'd just deep dive this week into what has been one of the most fascinating weeks in Parliament uh, for a very, very long time. And that, of course, is because uh, we had the uh, theatre that was the first caucus for new National Party leader Todd Muller and his deputy Nikki Kay. Oh, and it was like a 20 25 minute train wreck from the National Party. I haven't seen a train wreck like this since I've been covering politics here at Parliament. It, it was just outstanding wasn't it? Um, it? Under pressure about a lack of diversity in their, um, in their top in their top 12 MPs um, and they uh, Nikki Kay jumped in there with something I don't think the public will ever forget. Um, and, uh, you know, they're trying to point to diversity in the top 20. Uh, and Nikki Kay cited Paul Goldsmith as a um, Māori, which was um, news to Paul. News to Paul. Um, so, yeah, it started off in the morning with Labour um, MP Kiritapu Allen putting up on Twitter a photo of National Party's front bench and um, it was all white, um, male and female. Um, lots of females in yeah. there, though, lots of women, so, you know, you've <laughs> got to give them credit for that. But it was an all-white Lineup, um, and so the questions went hard and fast to Todd and Nikki. And yeah, you're right. Nikki just offered up uh, Paul Goldsmith and um, and said that he was from Ngati Paro East Coast. Yeah, which led um, so it was pretty fascinating. So you had um, Nikki saying, "Hey, he's Ngati Paro," and you had Paul saying, "No, no, 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 no. Hang on, I've got a great great grandfather who had um, European wives and Maori wives. So he does have family connections there, but he's not claiming to be Maori himself." Um, yeah, his second cousin's auntie's uncle's uh, third step cousin is is Maori, or something like that. Right, <laughs> but family connections, right? But family not claiming to be himself. But did did lead to some um, great liners, uh, great one liners. I think Winston uh, said it was the first he had heard of uh, Porter Hickey Goldsmith, and um, uh, Shane Jones calling him Nazi Epsom in in the house as well. That was good. But that this caucus run was just incredible. So you had. You, you had this going on with Paul and, and Nikki Kay running round. Uh, Todd sort of caught all in the middle of it. You had Paula Bennett coming out and giving it, giving us a stand up, you know, having just been rolled a couple of days earlier as deputy leader, saying how important um, diversity had been when she and Simon were uh, running the party. Not exactly, you know, helping out here. And, and then you had <laughs> Judith Collins coming over and doing her own stand up, saying, you know, what's what's wrong with me being white and sort of claiming, I think later in the week, you know, that she's um, sick of being discriminated against yeah. uh, for, for being white as well. And she had that blow up in the select committee. Honestly, there's just, there was just so much going on in that caucus run that it's hard to know where to start when we're like dissecting it now in, in the podcast. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, huge stuff up there by Nikki Kay. You've got to say um, Todd Muller must have been, you know, <laughs> a little bit uh, miffed after that because she really did land them both in it. It was her who offered it up. Granted, he did sort of, it seemed as though when she said it, you could see it in his eyes that he was like, oh, 
are you sure about that? But he willingly went along with it. And I mean, what are you going to do? Stand there and question your deputy, you know, as the cameras are rolling. So you could see that he perhaps wasn't too sure himself, but he went with it and they both went hard with it. And then just in the space of a few seconds, as soon as that stand up with the media finished, Nikki Kay, you saw her, you know, the other Junos came around and they were like, actually, um, Paul Goldsmith just said he's not Māori. And so she was like, right, I'll go and, I'll go and suss it out. I'll and go and she, talk to him, I might make him Māori. Yeah. <laughs> she, she walks over and she says, Paul, can I have a quick word? And you could just tell, eh, like in the back of her mind, she would have been thinking, <laughs> dear God, Paul, please, please be Māori. I, I hope to God that you've got some up in there from Ngāti Parau. Paul, I've just told everyone that you're Ngāti Parau. And of course, to his credit, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to sort of um, take one for the team there. He, he played it straight. He was like, look, mate, love to help you out, but no. I'm not Māori, um, and while there are connections there, um, I wouldn't claim to be Māori. Um, and it was really funny to hear everybody else react to that. Paul, um, Paula Bennett, of course, when she was asked, you know, she's obviously Māori herself, and Simon Bridges was Māori as well. When we asked Paula Bennett about Paul Goldsmith being Māori, she just spluttered out this big fat Paul and 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 just and burst laughed. out laughing. Hey? Burst out laughing, <laughs> and you could tell that you know after what, in her own words, was a brutal um, rolling in terms of the leadership, um, she was just lapping it up on Caucus Day. She quickly changed her tune um, in the days following, though. She's coming out doing interviews I see sort of saying it's not about race it's it's not about you know the colour of the skin it's but on talent. the day yeah. that it happened she was lapping it up and she was enjoying and, it and this wasn't the, this wasn't the only train wreck going on at the same time you also had Nicola Willis you know rapidly promoted up the up the um, rankings in the National Party come out and say oh I think Simon Bridges is going to do a great job today in the house up against yeah. the Prime Minister <laughs> did you just say Simon Bridges you know and that look on her face she was just horrified Sheer with horror. herself you, it, actually yeah, yeah. You, you rolled him two days ago um, yeah so I think she was she's uh, like whoops yeah. Todd Muller and it was I felt I felt for Nicola Willis too because you're right she had just gone up in the ranking she was obviously um, part of that core team Muller in terms of yeah. um, rolling um, the old leadership and so um, to say the old leader's name God, that would have crushed her um, uh, yes and, I think and she, she felt had, like a, um, a, a right idiot and mm. she had just to her credit given a big stand up talking about her new housing and urban development portfolio talking about the issues to do with housing and then just at the end she said Simon Bridges and we're like oh sorry that's the only thing making the news today <laughs> yeah unfortunately <laughs> sometimes that's how how the punches well, she, roll yeah she did get into the um in, into the bulletin a few other times but we'll talk about that um yes. we can talk about that in a minute old Kiwi hey, but, um Mikey also you um on a similar theme to the um diversity within the National Party. Judith Collins in the um, um, Select Committee, what happened there? Yeah, so look, obviously, um, you know, she, she was... Uh, uh, a bit put out um, at that caucus run with everyone going around asking about diversity, the huge kerfuffle and, uh, and, and circus that that created for the National Party on the Tuesday. We heard from her that day. She said, what's wrong with me being white? Is there something wrong with me being white? The next day in the um, Finance and, and Expenditure Select Committee, um, uh, the Auditor General had appeared. She was sitting there answering questions in front of the Select Committee members. Tama Coffee MP for Waiariki asked a question about the Treaty of Waitangi and where that all fits 
it and, and, and whatever they were talking about. And then Judith Collins mumbles under her breath, and of course this is all being live streamed on Facebook mm. for the world to see. She says, Jesus Christ, what a stupid question. To which Deborah Russell, Labour MP Deborah Russell, who's chairing the committee, said, oh, that's a white girl comment to make. And then, and then David Seymour pipes up and says, that's a bit racist to Deborah. And then Judith Collins says, oh, look, I'm just sick of having to, you know, defend my ethnicity or something along those lines, you know, just sick of, of the constant criticism for my, for, 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 you know, having to defend my ethnicity or something like that. And it just sparked a bit of a war of words across the select committee tables. You had Kitty Tapu Allen, Labour MP there saying, oh, a bit triggered today, are we, Judith? So some... some <laughs> Some fun uh, theatricals there. Obviously, um, a bit of tension boiling over from the day before. Uh, some national MPs not too happy about um, this diversity question being aimed their way. Yeah, but inter- yeah, um, indeed. But, but quite a fascinating um, feet to the fire first week for um, yeah, Todd baptism Muller, hasn't it? by fire for yeah. the new leader, of course. Um, yeah. So the, the after a weekend, you know, we we sort of did the profile stories, got to know him a bit. Um, uh, one of our um, colleagues, uh, Kristen, did a really good piece with him on on Saturday night, sort of where he's moving offices uh, here at Parliament, and he was saying, you know, that um, Make America Great Again um, hat cap, which you know has drawn a bit of, for, for some people, you know, sort of symbolises white supremacy. But obviously, for Todd, he's saying, hey, look, I'm just a, a, a fan of US politics. I collect mementos whenever I go over. He's got Hillary Clinton ones and you know other political leaders as well. But he, he said. Uh, to Kristen Hall, hey, nah, the, the mega hat's coming with me to the new office. Um, that that also changed during the week, didn't it? After he came under a bit of pressure, uh, I think it's gone into a um, into a shoebox and it ain't coming back out. Yeah, a little bit of a, a little bit of a back down there, if you like. And um, yeah. just talking to a few um, of his own colleagues, though, some of them weren't too happy um, that he actually did um, uh, back down on that issue. When I've Talk, been talking to a few of them just you know briefly mm. um, they weren't they weren't too keen on him on, on him backing down over the MAGA hat and thought you know look everyone's entitled to their um, political um, you know uh, mementos and yeah. the likes and of course in, in his um, maiden speech Todd Muller actually speak spoke of um, a dream of his was to become the US <laughs> president so he obviously has a huge um, affinity for US politics mm. so um, yeah but, yeah, but uh, it's going to stay in the box yeah, I mean, I'm, I kind of think Give it he, he's right. It was becoming a distraction. Yeah, it was just, becoming a distraction, yeah. and for some, especially with the March 15 attacks, some of the it's like some people, you know, it just didn't sit right with them, and so he had to make a call on that, and that was his call. Yeah. Hey, um, but this week there's um, been a big water announcement as well, eh? Yeah. Um, the, huge. the government uh, um, announced that yesterday. It's a story that you covered, and you wouldn't um, listen to officials and then the ministers as well. Tell us a bit about. Uh, you know the significance of this like hugely significant obviously you know as Kiwis we all love to go for a dip in the rivers and d- dip in our in our lakes and we all know that um, you know huge amount of our rivers and lakes our waterways are polluted so this was the government's big plan it's taken years to get mm. to this point huge amount of different reports advisory panels 17 and a half thousand
in public submissions on this and yesterday they announced their plan on what they're going to do to help clean up our waterways. So so a big deal there. So no doubt, you know, there was always going to be huge debate over whether or not it went far enough. You know, you had environmentalists saying it didn't go far enough. You had farmers saying it goes too far. So it was really about it's striking a, that balance. Yeah, it's a hard a one to win, balance isn't it? to strike. Yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, look, and, and just to start, start us off in terms of a bit of background uh, as we talk about this, um, some interesting stats there. Uh, I think 94% of our urban waterways um, are unswimmable, you know, not suitable for swimming although that only represents around 1% of all of our rivers and lakes. Um, in terms of the rest of them, they're obviously rural, 84% of those are unswimmable. So that just gives you a bleak idea of the urgency that's required to clean up our waterways. So some big stuff yesterday um, announced by um, the government. One of them is around nitrogen toxicity, which is largely mm. made up of you know, cow urine and fertiliser. So they introduced a cap on the amount of fertiliser that farmers can spray. Um, no cap there for um, the ag sector, those who are growing veggies and, and fruits and that sort of thing, um, but a cap for farmers essentially. Um, and also um, a new bottom line bringing down the bottom line for um, nitrogen limits in our waterways, um, which was quite a big dip actually from around six, six milligrams per litre down to around two milligrams per litre. Um, but then there was another big, big chunk of that, um, which they call um, dissolvable inorganic nitrogen, um, which is also largely to do with cow urine. Um, they, they originally proposed um, perhaps going to one milligram on that, um, but um, the scientific panel that had been debating that number, they couldn't reach a consensus. So the government said, look, we'll push it out for 12 months and we'll reevaluate then. Um, granted, uh, some people say that New Zealand First was behind that particular extension. And Shane Jones even yesterday came out saying, yep, look, you know, sometimes it's hard to go against a, a, a minister that you respect, like David Parker, um, but they were hearing the calls of farmers. So Yeah, um, so it was interesting, because right, I, I um, asked a few questions on your behalf, um, and I, we um, were talking to Shane Jones, and, and he was saying, um, look, the farmers actually had come to New Zealand first. They wanted to get this done before the election because they're not sure of what the, future, the next government might look like, and they kind of wanted to get it get it done, get this in place. But um, also, there's been been a bit of criticism, right? And one thing I thought was interesting in your track was you know that pushing out of the, the um, mandatory stock exclusion for another two years. Was it two years for? Um, <clears throat> Two years for dairy cows and pigs, so yep. 2023 for them, and um, for um, beef cattle and deer, 2025. Yeah. So, and the government's blaming COVID-19 for all of that. Um, and I guess you could, people will argue it either way. They'll say, look, you know, we, it does doesn't matter yeah obviously there'll be um, extra costs on on farmers and the likes to to sort of get their get get, get themselves into shape to be able to meet these new standards so um, we need to push that out because everyone's under pressure during COVID-19 and then you'll have others who say look the longer we wait um, the more costly it will be in the long run um, so I think again that balance struck there um, a big win for farmers though is of course the fencing um, you know uh, 
originally it was proposed that um, all fencing should be five metres back from any waterway. Um, that's been now decreased to just three metres um, and all of the existing fencing that's currently in place, they won't have to shift that to meet those new standards. They'll be able to leave those there. Yeah. So Because that would have been a huge cost for farmers if they had you know, their, well, their fence lines and then having to move them because bring, of these bring new them standards. Back. Yeah, and you lose that extra paddock, right, that you'd be using to feed your livestock in. But it's, it's interesting, right, because I know Fonterra, their, their farmers have spent years and years sort of doing like a voluntary um, fencing thing because it's, it's so damaging for the dairy dairy industry's reputation when you see you know cows and in, in, in public streams you know um <clears throat> befouling them um so they've done that i know in hawks bay they've got their own set of rules there to try and keep animals out <clears throat> um and i always remember people saying you know in, in the west coast they don't need to fence off their um their rivers there this is the old saying because you know the rivers are so wild if your animal went in there they're gone anyway right um <laughs> yeah so it's, it's kind of yeah interesting and very complex area of um yeah, government policy. Yeah, and it was really nice actually to um, see a bit of emotion from David Parker yesterday when he was talking about his love um, for rivers and he was like, you know, um, a lot of us mm. in this room, we can, and he was doing this, this, you know, hitting his chest and he was like, we feel it in here, you know, and, and I'm determined to, to change this around. So, you know, between him and, and um, Damien O'Connor and James Shaw, um, you know, there was certainly a desire to, to get the ball rolling on some significant change. And James Shaw saying, look, yeah. this is the biggest change um, to help clean up our waterways that any government has ever brought in. Yeah. Hey, another... Um story we had a look at this week was this um and you you might be surprised but it's a problem another problem with the kiwi build program I'm shocked yeah <clears throat> who would have thought who would have seen this coming so <clears throat> it was actually it was interesting because um i actually announced this development back in 2018 and did a did a track with um uh, phil twyford who was in charge of the kiwi build program back then um, december 2018 and they were announcing this great big development um in it in theory it's really really cool it's going to be um over 90 apartments 44 of them kiwi build just near the basin reserve in wellington so you're just out of the city um great location great location for bears at the basin yeah yeah absolutely perfect and 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 the developer was there and and um he, he met us for that story in 2018 and he said oh yeah i'm hoping to get this done next year and anyway people went into a ballot for it really you know Lots of people in Wellington think this would be a great location. So really high demand. <coughs> um, but then, as um, the story we did this week, it's been hit by repeated delays. Um, so first of all, um, people were told they'd be moving in pretty much next month, July this year. Then it, <coughs> once they paid their deposits, they got told it would be December this year. Then it got pushed out to October next year. And just this week, uh, the Kiwi Bill buyers in this complex have been said, oh, hey, construction still hasn't started. Um, and it won't be ready until June 2022. So this raises a whole lot of problems, right? All these Kiwi Build buyers, they've already handed over their deposits, but you know, they, they don't have their money, they don't have choice to look for another property or anything like this because this development's so slow. So the developer's got their deposits, it's just running way behind schedule, but it also raises other issues, right? Because <coughs> Kiwi Build buyers, if you're in a two bedroom apartment, you have to live there for, you've committed to live there for three years or the government can take your capital gains if you were to make some, right? So what, when they paid their deposits last year, they thought they were making a four year commitment, but because it's been delayed for at least two years, it turns you know into a, into a six year commitment at least. Um, <clears throat> 
Anyway, the minister, uh, we spoke to the minister <coughs> this week. She's pretty disappointed um, with what's gone on here. She's saying, look, we wouldn't do this again. We wouldn't get involved in a scheme like this where the developer's not ready to go. We interviewed the developer and he said, look, I thought I had, you know, the construction guys were on board. They were ready to do this and then they pulled out. So it's a, it's, an, it's another big mess. And um, yeah, Nicola Willis um, actually asked some really good questions of the minister following our track on Wednesday night yesterday in the House. Um, and the, the minister went on to reveal that it's not just these 44 Kiwi build um, homes that are facing delays, there's actually over 200. Um, so 200 homes facing, <coughs> Kiwi build homes facing delays, that compares to the 395 that the government's managed to build this term. You know, they're supposed to have built 5,000 by next month. Just another <coughs> Kiwi build headache and what huge disappointment for those you know, who who bought the apartments, who were investing in these apartments to have that yeah. time frame extended for them, um, and will they be will they be able to pull out? Will they be able so to get their this, money back? This is an interesting thing. So uh, Megan Woods, the um, the new housing minister, uh, she said, "Hey, look, if if I understand the developers letting some people out, um, and." and said, look, if, if if you're stuck in this development, you want to get out, get in touch with my office. We'll put you in contact with the developer and you can try to get your deposit back off them. But we went and spoke to the developer, Ian Castles, from the Wellington Company, and, and he said he had let a couple, some people out. I'm not sure how many. But he, he said, oh, look, I can't have people everywhere pulling out of this development. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to do this yet or not. I need to have a chat with my staff, um, which is fair enough. But... Yeah, you can sort of see it from his point as well, right? You want yeah. this development to go ahead. You don't want lots of people pulling out. <clears throat> um, yeah, but also he he fully acknowledged. You know, he's he's really disappointed with with what's happened here, and he can appreciate. Um, you know, the, I guess the distress that these Kiwi Build buyers are in, let alone all the other people who've bought private apartments there. And also, when you went there to do a bit of the filming, you were told that some people have already moved in. <laughs> yeah, apparently the site's been used by. Um, uh, homeless people sleeping in sleeping in where the building's supposed to be built. Um, At least they're making use of it. Yeah, indeed. So the, the new deadline, June 2022, but um, yeah, who knows whether it's really going to uh, get up and running. They're hoping to start the demolition next week, but um, Kiwi Build buyers have been told that repeatedly in the past. And look, just before we finish up, I guess, um, just have there been any other... Um, things worth speaking about um, happening around here at Parliament. I can think of one, and that's, of course, um, the wily manoeuvres of the Prime Minister and Winston Peters um, cherry-picking what they will and won't release from uh, Cabinet talks. And the reason I say that is because, you know, this week um, the Prime Minister uh, uh, dropped in the, um, just in an interview, at one of our normal interviews, just, just casually mentioned that um, oh yeah, by the way, Winston Peters at um, Cabinet wants to go to level one now and for anyone who follows politics you know the Prime Minister is mm. consistently telling mm. us we never speak about what is talked about at Cabinet we never talk about it it's we like won't Fight Club right? it. it's like Fight Club mm. what happens in Cabinet stays in Cabinet but then all of a sudden she just casually mentions yes. that New Zealand First are unhappy and they want to go to level one now and you just got to think the politics behind that is that we've obviously got an election coming up we saw in our poll as we talked about in last week's podcast that you know New Zealand First are consistently dipping below that 5% threshold so they're needing to to carve themselves out from carve themselves out from the government and and yeah, perhaps that's one way themselves a little of bit doing out. it. Yeah. I, I th they're permanently below that 5% threshold in our in our in our polls. Um, mm. what were they last time? Under 3. 
I think. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah dicey, so dicey. Yeah, they're going to have to start trying to make some moves. So are the Greens too, hey? So are the Greens. But they yeah. sometimes they do pick up, so we'll see see how that yeah. goes. Yeah. Um, hmm. Anything else noteworthy? or Not off the top of my head. Shall we leave yeah. it there? Very good to see um, the much-deserved Ashley Bloomfield and his wife being invited to have dinner um, with the Governor-General at the Governor-General's place um, as the uh, as the restrictions lifted. He and um, uh, a couple of the other officials who've been um, spearheading our response to COVID-19 got to go and wine and dine at the Governor-General's house. Yeah, yeah, but a bit of reward for the hard work. A bit of oh, reward for the and, hard um, work. And uh, I... I um, uh, mentioned a, a camera operator last week who left their um, bag at the airport and caused a minor security incident. This week, the same camera operator, when we went out to the Kiwi Build um, development, uh, where we could only see the outsides of the building, um, realised that she had an old flame at a nearby um, business, which overlooked the site and managed to talk her way up into the old flames business and, and got us great footage of the um, of the empty complex and uh, and how nothing's happening um, down at ground level there. So um, yeah, well done. Oh, I love how old flames come in handy. Yeah. All right, and let's. Uh, speaking of flames, let's burn this podcast to the ground and end it here. Cool. <laughs> this was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering as we head towards the general election in September. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available around this time each week on One News Online and check us out on your favourite podcasting app.